On this week's episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, we get in the holiday spirit with the ultimate Yuletide classic, A Christmas Carol by the OG Charles Dickens. In the 1988 film adaptation, or more so a modern retelling, Scrooged with the one and only Bill Murray. And we ask the question, when does an adaptation cross that magical threshold to become instead a retelling? Also, I think it's today's society. Um, Scrooge may get canceled. Not that we're trying to give anybody ideas. Please don't. It's don't. Great. It's, it's, it's just, f- it wouldn't. It wouldn't pass the test. <laughs> Buy your copies now. It's it's not woke enough at all. Mm-mm. It is the antithesis of woke. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, the podcast where we, Mel B, and the lovely Jackie D, Hello. your hosts, drunkenly break down book-to-screen adaptations each week. We flip a coin to see who will read or watch first, then we come together and compare notes, and we see how closely the adaptation follows the book, which we prefer, and if the order in which we read-watched affects <laughs> our reviews. And why do we do all this? Nobody knows. It doesn't really matter. Um, but we watch and we read so you don't have to DNF. If this is your first time with us, welcome. If you're returning, we love you. And if you haven't done so already, please take a moment to give us a rating, five stars if you think we deserve it, and leave a review. It really helps us, especially on Apple, because it makes our podcast more visible and then more people can listen. You know, sharing is caring. And also check us out on the social medias because our uh, lovely social media manager, Marina, she does a lot of work on there with the Facebooks and the Twitter and the Instagram. And of course, the infamous clock app, TikTok. <laughs> you can find us at ReadWatchDNF or ReadWatchDNF underscore podcast. Our Discord is now live. We're doing things. We just had a watch party. It was fun. And I figured it out. And it works. So our next one will be in January when we do Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. We'll have a watch party for that. That is our January book of the month. If you want to follow along and participate in our Discord with that. Uh, also, we started working on our 2023 schedule. We have about six months done already of book to screen adaptations listed out. Uh, it's We found some good ones. Yeah. There are so many out there. Mm-hmm. I think we'll be able to do this podcast forever. <laughs> but we are adding <laughs> forever. We're going to be like 90 and still doing it. Everyone's like, give it up. You're so old. <laughs> um, we are adding the book, uh, book club with us in our Discord and the watch parties come January. So we'll be doing that all throughout 2023. So everyone that listens, if you want to participate, we want you to participate. Also, we have some cool partnerships in the work. I'm not going to give any details just yet. We're going to see how they play out because if they don't play out, um, then I just look stupid for naming them. But there are, there are a couple there. So hopefully after the holidays, uh, we'll have some updates on that. Also, we launch our new show in January. Yay. DNF Hour. 
Yeah. It's so Jackie and I read a lot. Okay. I know that we have a lot on our plates with just this show alone with the books and the movies or TV shows, because some of these books are chonky. And then what's even funnier is when the book isn't chonky, it just happens to be a TV series. And then the show is chonky. So it does eat up a lot of our time. Um, but we still find time to read a lot of other books. And we mean a lot. Mm -hmm. I set an, uh, I think I, I set a goal for 100 books to read in 2022. Oh, and you blew past that. Yeah, and we're not even done. We're not even done with the year yet. I still got another two weeks, right? Or no, a week and a half? No, mm. a week. Yeah, Where a week. We? I got a week. Yeah. A week, because uh, tomorrow is Christmas Eve. Yeah. And then this goes live on Christmas, and it's a week. Okay, yeah. So I have um, nine days. I could probably get another 10 books in. Probably. Yeah, definitely. 99.8% of those will be smut, so it's not, not difficult. But anyway. Yeah. So while we're reading uh, these books, so I think we added, this is our 28th episode. So that's 28 books on top of the other books that I read. And Jackie too. Jackie's just been like blowing through books. Oh, I'm almost done she... with uh, Hockey Smut book one. Hockey I'm going to start Smut. Hockey Smut book two. I had my Hockey Smut phase. It's a good one. Yeah. But yeah, so that's what uh, TNF Happy Hour is. So when we get done recording our this show, we're going to hang out for a little bit longer and talk about some of our mutually read personal reads. Um, we have a very special book picked out for our premiere episode. A special is a good word for it, I think. Special is a very good word for it. We're excited. So yeah. that will launch on January something. The first Friday of January. That's when that's going to go live. Okay. Um, so check it out. We'll post some links and social medias. We'll get it out there. But yeah, so we're just going to switch things up and talk about that. But we're also going to talk about how we think those should be adapted because these are books that don't have adaptations. And if they do, we don't know where they are. And they're like they're on um, some they're on some dark dark website. Yeah, they're dark. not readily available. No, <laughs> probably for good reason. Yeah, but we're going to go through. Um, and talk about how we think they should be adapted or if they should be adapted because probably some of these maybe most of them shouldn't left better to the imagination but keep in mind because we will be recording these episodes after our read watcher dnf will probably be absolutely sloshed so um we cannot promise anything coherent uh you know it's sort of like a book club meets drunk history yay F-bombs for this special Christmas episode are dedicated to everyone who listened to us during 2022. You are amazing. Thank you, Mo. And by everyone, I mean it's not just me and Jackie. Yeah. My sister. There are other people. My sister is one of the most <laughs> loyal listeners. She loves it. She mm -hmm. calls us with uh, tidbits all the time. I love what that one time I picked up the phone and she's like, you should do horses. <laughs> Okay. Okay. You're absolutely right. You're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, but but we also have people that we don't know, mm -hmm. and we found this out by chance when we first started because they would reach out to us on social media and send us messages, and we're like, "What? Hello? Oh, these are we don't know these people. Yeah. But they know us, and they like our show. So we, by default, absolutely love you and adore you. Yes. So the our f bombs are for all of you. All right, Jackie, 
what are we drinking for this holiday special? Well, uh, I am currently in Florida. You know that. If I was up there in Virginia, I would have access to a lot more seasonal brews. Um, I was limited to Mr. Samuel Adams Winter Lager down here. Wait, Florida doesn't do seasonal Uh, It get too far outside of Orlando? And no. Oh. Yeah. I'm sure over in Tampa they have some stuff too, but yeah. Who wants to go there? Well, I'd have to go through there to get to my brother's house, so. I don't know. What are you drinking? I am drinking a apple cider sangria. It's pretty fucking good. So you take a red wine um, and you put some apples and oranges in it. You know, you like, there's a word for when you like smash it up in there. Muddle. Um, muddle. But there's another word. It's It sounded like massacre. It was weird. Um, and then you put a cinnamon stick in it and then you top it off with sparkling apple cider or regular apple cider it really just depends on what your mood is oh. we all know that i love bubbly so i yes. went with the sparkle uh i will post a link for the recipe in the discord and then we also have our non-alcoholic which is the mold cider which actually looked really good i didn't do the mold cider wine or whatever there's another recipe on this list i didn't do that because i sort of did a similar one when we did um Girl and the Dragon Tattoo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't do that, but the mold cider looks really good. And I will post a uh, the recipe for that in the Discord as well. So you can take a look at it. But it looks yummy. So, Jackie, do we have any uh, drinking games? Uh, we, sure? Sh- we sure do. Uh, nothing says drinking game like, like a movie with Bill Murray in it, I think. <laughs> uh, there were a few, but I'm going to stick with uh, drunkenme.com. It's a, a favorite of ours. So for this game, you are to take a drink whenever someone says lumpy. So it's usually Claire. I hate that. Yeah. Uh, Frank enters or leaves reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens a lot. Uh, whenever an order is given by Frank. Every time a problem comes up on the set of Scrooge. <laughs> Somebody knock off the hammering. <laughs> Uh, whenever you see a TV screen, the whole thing is about TV and the TV industry. So there's TVs everywhere. Uh, whenever somebody says Christmas and every time someone drinks. Watching this movie, you do not realize how prevalent drinking is and smoking yeah. in 80s movies. All right, let's get into who read first, who watched first. Uh, Jackie went ahead and read first. Yeah, it was a Kindle E-Art Now edition, uh, released September 5th, 2013. It's a, it had some, like, some of the original illustrations in it, which were kind of creepy oh. and cool at the same time. You know how, like, oh, mine didn't have any. Victorian art, uh, or ads, Victorian yeah. advertisements and stuff like that. It was just like that really off-putting drawing illustration. Yeah. Oh, no, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I watched Amazon Video. Faux free. Yep, it's available if you have Prime. Yep. Uh, so I also, I watched it on Prime. I watched first. Uh, I watched it with my husband. Um, this was the first time I've actually seen this movie. I've never seen it before. And it is fucking hilarious. I was not prepared. I was in tears. <laughs> Good tears. 
uh, I'm just sitting there like Indian style on the bed, just because we watched it in our room and just like in awe. And Steven's like playing a game on his phone. You've never seen this? I'm like, no, stop judging me. <laughs> uh, so I read a paperback because that's what I do. I, for the, you know, okay. It always like, I say, I love my paperbacks and I love my hardcovers. Like I don't read Kindle, but I do read Kindle. I read Kindle a lot, a lot. It's usually when I'm in bed and I can turn the light off. That's where I read all my smut mm-hmm. on my Kindle. It's, uh, I have some smut books in the physical realm, but more so because it's Kindle Unlimited. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. You're losing money on me at this point. Yeah. And if anyway. and if you didn't like it, then you can just return it and be like, that never happened. Yeah. Psh, DNF. Bye. And it also like updates my Goodreads account mm-hmm. automatically. Just the less work I got to do, the, you know, the better. Anyway, that was off topic. Um, I did read The Christmas Carol in physical form i paid three dollars for it it is a tiny paperback tiny 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 paperback of a uh 2009 bantam books classic mass market edition and it was literally the last copy of any of the christmas carol or a christmas carol at barnes and noble because I saw this on the shelf and it picked it. I was like, oh, this is kind of tiny. And I was like, all right, it's cute. But I asked at the desk, I said, are there any other versions or editions of this? And they're like, no, that's our only our only one. <laughs> Very tiny. Take it or leave it, sister. I'm going to uh, put like, you know how they do um, forensic photographs of things to just compare size? Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that with this book and post it. Maybe like next to a footprint. Yeah. So people can understand that this or dollar is, bill or dollar bill, yeah, because right, because the the comparison needs to be like a standard object. Yeah, I'll put a dollar bill next to you so you can see how tiny this book is. And I sat under the light on my bed and read this with tiny, tiny print. But it's only eighty six pages in here. Yeah, mine because of the illustrations. I think ended up being like a hundred and twenty or something. Yeah. So I think this book. It total is like a hundred and something or just, just under, but that's because there's like a biograph, uh, biography thing, some other bullshit thing about Dickens and then some other shit that he said. So like and a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with mm-hmm. the story. And actually it's a novella. That's what it's technically characterized as. Um, and I found that it had a different name. Um, I think we have that later on. I'm trying to look through my notes, but it has like, oh yeah, a full title is actually A Christmas Carol in Prose Being a Ghost Story of Christmas. Oh. That's the full title of this. Okay. But we just called it A Christmas Carol. Okay. Anyway, Jackie, uh, you've read first. So why don't you go ahead and give us a little overview of said book? Okay. A Christmas Carol is divided into five chapters, or staves, it said in my book. And Dickens called each chapter a stave, obviously. Staves are the five lines on which musical notes are written, which may explain why there are five chapters. The word stave is also another word for a verse of a song. Yeah. I don't know. Dickens was trying to be too much with this, I think. Yeah. It's like, I'm not calling it a chapter, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I... I mean, every, I think most people out there, even non-Westerners, 
have heard of a Christmas Carol. Yeah. Or the concept of it. Yeah. Where you have this curmudgeon old man who gets visited by three ghosts, past, present, future, and he's supposed to learn a lesson about not being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. That's the story. Anyway, so an IMDb, this, I love IMDb uh, synopsis, like just their catch summarizations of the movies because they're just so blunt. Mm -hmm. This one is a selfish, cynical television executive is haunted by three spirits bearing lessons on Christmas Eve. Okay. Yeah. Short and sweet. (laughs) Short and sweet because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I was doing some reading when we were uh, getting all the notes and stuff for the show. So we call it a retelling, but a lot of uh, sources were saying it's an adaptation. I mean, I was doing, when I was doing research to when we were trying to figure out which adaptation we wanted to do, uh, it came up on all the list of adaptations, not retellings. Yeah. It says it's an adaptation, not a retelling, which Mm. I, we're going to get into this when when we go through step by step in great detail. Kind of where we think that that line is about it becoming a retelling. So Clueless is a retelling of Emma. Emma, yep. We have we have to do that one. We have to see that maybe it maybe it's not. Maybe it's not a retelling. Maybe it is an adaptation just set in a different um, reality. I don't know. But then I know what was making me angry about this was mm. thinking about a uh, Mansfield Park. What? Oh, Mansfield Park? That's, yeah. yeah the, when we did the 1991 or whatever, and they're like, well, this is an adaptation. It was one of the best adaptations. Like, no, it's not an adaptation because you fucking changed the story. Mm-hmm. You changed the story. Key things in that story. I would say that's a retelling. Yeah. I think this is more of an adaptation, Scrooge, that is, than Mansfield Park. I would concur. I don't know why I'm angry already, but let's get into this. <laughs> so, yeah. So, on IMTB... Um, some, some facts about this movie we got, it says it's a modernized spoof of English author, Charles Dickens, classic 1843 novella, a Christmas Carol. And I gave you the full title. The novella was adapted, see, for the movie by American screenwriters, Mitch Glazer and Michael Donahue or O'Donohue. Um, so they're already saying it's adapted, but I think you can use that phrase loosely. Interesting though, it was directed by Richard Donner who is known for Lethal Weapon. He's the director of those movies. The Goonies. He also did a few episodes of uh, Tales from the Crypt. Like, he's a huge director. And mm-hmm. a lot of the reviews I was reading were giving him shit about, like, I can't believe Richard Do- uh, signed up for this. This is this is below him, this, this shit. Yeah, they were angry about it. They're snobs. Yeah, yeah. Runtime of the movie is an hour and 41 minutes. So your average runtime, it's not too long, not too short. It's got it. It's rated PG-13 for language and adult content. The smoking, the drinking, nipples. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Estimated budget when this came out was $32 million. Opening weekend, it made about $13 million, and that's U.S. and Canada. Then worldwide, it made about $60 plus million. Hmm. So. Not a, blockbu- <laughs> not a blockbuster. No, no. But I think it's more of a cult classic now. Yeah. I mean, it's Bill Murray. It's sort of like, um, yeah, I just watched this documentary on Halloween, the movie. Mm-hmm. And that movie did awful when it came out. Like, nobody went and saw it. But then they did this sort of, like, um, staggered opening of it uh, 
around the country. And I think it opened first, like somewhere in Missouri. But that movie, if you think about it, it, made, it took him $300,000 to make that movie, mm -hmm. Halloween. And it continues to make money yeah. to this day with royalties and stuff. So, like, I feel like Scrooge is one of those where it, when it opened, everyone's like, what's this bullshit? That's stupid. But now everyone watches it every year, at least once, right? Yep. Let's go ahead and get into the reviews. Jackie, you read first. So let's see what uh, Goodreads has to say about A Christmas Carol. Okay. Overall on Goodreads, it got a 4.07 out of 5. Uh, there was about 745,000 ratings, uh, just over 26,000 reviews. Most of them were fives, uh, 40% or the majority of them were fives, uh, out of fives, 40% at that, uh, four is 34%, three is 19, two is 4%, one is 1%. Uh, <laughs> This first one, it's a five out of five. Person didn't really even say anything about what they liked about the book. It was <laughs> it was partly like them patting themselves on the back, and then I respect it. Props to mom. That's that's what that rating was. <laughs> uh, five out of five. Number one. This is the first book I finished in September. I am so damn excited. Get it. Number two. I have endless love for this story because my mom is obsessed with Christmas movies, so I've seen at least a million adaptations of it. Happy to say the book was even better. Short and sweet, yet still Dickensian. <laughs> I like it. Okay, cool. This one I thought was really, really funny. It reads like somebody is pitching the idea for a book or a movie. Okay. Okay, three out of five. So there's this really rich dude, and he's kind of a prick. And he has like a fuck ton of money, but no friends, okay? So late one night, he's fast asleep when all of a sudden he's awoken by the sound of this awful fucking rattling downstairs. He's all like, WTF? So he gets out of bed, lights a candle, and goes off to investigate. When he gets down there, no shit. There's the ghost of Bob Marley smoking a giant spliff in his kitchen. Later on... He'll be visited by the ghosts of Amy Winehouse and Whitney Houston as well. I'm still in the outlining stage for now, but let's just say this thing might get a, a little crazy toward the end. People wind up partying a bit. Anyway, I was thinking about calling it Ebenezer and the three really fucked up ghosts. What do you think? <laughs> oh my god. I want to be friends with that person. Um... <clears throat> So, and then I found three one out of fives that I just could not pass by. Uh, this okay. first one, Charles Dickens is a crap author. First of all, <laughs> you can't say he is, he's dead. You can say he was, yes. <laughs> um, but whatever. <laughs> Over the course of his career, he wrote books based on length of, uh, based on the length of them, hence the reason he used such long-winded descriptions in his books. If Dickens ever existed, the, if, Dickens, sorry, never existed, the world would be a better place. He has... Oh. He was his times Clancy, Grisham, Nora Roberts, Daniel Steele, etc. Oh my god. Yeah. No. Yeah. But he didn't put Nicholas Sparks in there. No, he should have. Yeah. I think Nicholas Sparks belongs on that list more than anybody else that he mentioned. Or she. Hmm. Eh, whatever. 
Uh, the next one, nice, short, sweet. It reads like an IMDb uh, tagline. <laughs> a literal flaming pile of trash. Which begs the question, Literally. begs the question, did the person light the book on fire after they finished reading it? Oh my God. And then, my all-time favorite, I had to, I had to. Complete letdown. The Muppets were never even mentioned in the book. I almost choked. Oh my god. Oh, I have a one of my reviews references the Muppets too. Okay. That is on many lists the number one adaptation of this book. So I have some trivia for you, Jackie. Yeah. Do you know how many um, approximately adaptations of A Christmas Carol there are out there? Uh, No, I do not. Would you like to know? Yes, yes, I would, please. Approximately 135. Holy shit. Which makes this the most adapted book we've done on this podcast and you know what somebody was probably pitching it earlier this year to do it again oh yeah well didn't they um they did do another one uh, for tv didn't they i think so like uh one of those specials or something probably they always do it yeah it's every year so i think you just you have a minimum of one adaptation per year that's where you get the number from (laughs) okay Movies, IMDb, user ratings, so that's all we care about. 6.9 out of 10 from 104 plus thousand ratings, which I think is like, it's not bad. It's like almost a seven. Yeah. It's above average. Yeah. 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 All right. The highest rating was seven out of 10 at 30%, 30.1. Uh, 10 out of 10 got 9.7%. 1 out of 10 was 0.8%. So, eh, people are like, is this movie was more mid-ground. A lot more were like 7, 6, 5. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. Title. All of the things people hated about it are exactly why I like it. <laughs> there are plenty of renditions of this story that are merely the same movie featuring a different actor casted as Scrooge. This is a version that Murray owns and takes it to a level his fans expect and want from him. Garish, loud, stated one reviewer. Well, yeah, that's what makes it work for me. Seriously, Bill Murray, Bobcat, Carol Kane, come on. (laughs) You were expecting a lullaby? (laughs) I love all the old versions, even the Muppets version with Michael Kane, but I have to have this between them and A Christmas Story and Edward Scissorhands to feel like I've had my Christmas playlist completed. Okay. I will put my uh, unpopular opinion out there. I hate a Christmas story. Uh, I still to this day not watched it fully through. I cannot. My sister loves it. So sorry, Mo. I'm sorry, Mo. I can take it I or can't. leave it. Um, You're indifferent. Yeah. Nick hates it. Makes it makes me physically angry. Nick yeah, hates good. it. That's why Nick and I are booze. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking stand that movie. Can't. I, and don't come at me. I don't fucking care. I hate the movie. Nothing you say is going to make me like it. It's a stupid movie. Moving on. Love you, Mo. <laughs> 7 out of 10. Decent adaptation. This is a very 80s adaptation in a lot of ways, and it doesn't always work. You never really get the sense that his redemption is earned. It's just required by the script. 
What does work is the blackness of it all and the ways they push forward the story into modern times. Uneven is a good way to put it, put this as it's only occasionally funny, but when it does click, it's solid. It's just not always clicking. Hmm. It's a fair review. Yeah. Now here's my favorite. And uh. I picked this just because of the titles. One out of 10. At least Kermit is an out and proud Muppet. I'll stick to their version. <laughs> Why do I keep watching this? I don't like it. That may be controversial, and I know that there will be friends on Facebook that will disagree with me wholeheartedly. Why am I friends with them? Question mark. But it just seems like Bill Murray spends two hours shouting and being silly with equally annoying people. Thank God for Karen Allen, the only sane, normal-seeming character throughout. Although, believe it or not, even Bobcat Goldthwait is more appealing in this one. Oh, geez. It's nasty and grimy interpretation of my favorite book and many classic films before and after it. And I just think it's unnecessary, and this is the point that the story tries to make. The last 10 minutes is actually quite painful to watch as Murray attempts to make a good, but just blabs incoherent nonsense to the camera. He is too extreme, and the second ghost is so stupid it was cringy. I must not watch this film again. <sighs> Then don't stop watching it. Exactly. <laughs> this is where we. This is where Jackie and I step in um, as your therapist and say it's okay to turn it off and walk away. Yeah, just like it's okay to close the book and walk away. Mm -hmm. I just had to do that. Uh, I did it twice in the last three days. DNF the shit out of a book. One of them Jackie loved, and I was like, I just was not in the right mindset to read it. And I was like, I can't, Jackie, I can't do it. I'm putting it down. Maybe I'll come back to it, but I just can't. And the other book was literally like three minutes into the second book of a book I just finished and absolutely loved. And I started it. I was like, I, nope, can't. Don't care. Don't fucking care. I'm not doing this again with these people. So I went from five stars to DNF. So I made it's it okay. farther through the Red Queen series than you did through that one. Yeah. And I finished that fucking thing. That's because I joined the book club Discord thing for it. And you know how competitive I am. So I yeah. had to. Yeah. Also, I bought all of them. Plus that stupid one that's really not a book. Mm -hmm. So pissed. So angry. Anyway, we're off topic. Let's talk about the best part of this movie, all right? Uh, the casting. Yes. Okay. So we have... Um, we're going to do the characters and casting, like, parallels, who they're supposed to be. So we have Scrooge, who in the movie is Frank Cross. Frank Cross is supposed to be, like, the Scrooge character. And that is played by the one and only Bill Murray. Um, if you don't know who Bill Murray is, I'm going to need you to take your head out from under said rock and look up and around and figure your life out. Yeah. Now, if you are from maybe like a non-English-speaking country um, or a non-Western country, you, you're you off the hook. I understand. I'm not holding you to the same. But if you are a Westerner, you fucking know who Bill Murray is, okay? Shut your face. Don't lie. Then we have uh, Bob Cratchit, who is Scrooge's assistant, who is played as Grace in the movie, who is Frank's assistant. And I don't know how to pronounce her name. Alfrey Woodard. Alfrey Woodard? Yeah. Okay. 
who she is one of those actresses where I feel like she's in everything. I know her face. When I see her in anything, I go, yeah, I recognize her. Um, but she's like that big actress that does small parts. Mm -hmm. Supporting roles. So, yeah, yeah, she's a lot of supporting roles. Um, big one, though, recently is she is Paris in the Apple TV original series, C, which I haven't watched the following seasons. I watched the first season and really liked it. I just haven't gotten in the mood to watch the next. I think she's really good in that. Um, but yeah, she's just been in so much stuff. If you look at her IMDb page, it's massive. Yeah, it goes on and on But it's on also on. like, yeah, but you look at it and you go, oh, yeah, I've seen that. I don't remember her. But yeah, she probably was in it. Sure, why not? So that's Alfre Alfre Woodard, Grace, a.k.a. Bob. Now, Fred, who is Scrooge's nephew in the story, is transformed into James Cross, who is Frank's brother. Fred is... Scrooge's nephew, who is the son of his younger sister, who I believe is passed on. Yeah. So, fun fact, uh, James Cross is played by John Murray, who is actually Bill Murray's real brother. Real life brother. Who is in, like, Elf and Caddyshack. So basically anything that Bill Murray has touched, John has been in. Nepotism at its finest. <laughs> but he also has, like, a lot of... um not even supporting roles. You're talking like cameo, not, well, not cameo, because that would mean that you don't, know, but like, um, one was like, uh, uh, security dude or something <laughs> like that. If you look at his IMDb, like unnamed, just, yeah. just the title, you know. Jacob Marley, who is the, technically the first ghost or spirit that visits Scrooge, who is his, um, partner who has been passed. On, like he's dead for about seven years. That's the first one that comes to Scrooge. That is transformed into Lou in Scrooge, who is played by John Forsyth, who is AKA Charlie from Charlie's Angels. Hmm. Like the original, not those yeah. stupid new movies. Tiny Tim, who is Bob Cratchit's son in the story, who's like uh, got crutches or whatever. I don't really know what's wrong with him. Um, he is transformed into Calvin Cooley, who is Grace's son, and he is played by Nicholas Phillips, and he's literally done like four things, and that's it, between this time frame. So he was like a cute kid in this movie and three other things. One of those being he played um, Randy Jackson in a TV, made-for-TV show of the Jackson 5. So good for you. Hmm. So let's talk about the ghosts. So we have past, present, and future. So past is played by David Johansson, who is Buster Poindexter. The name actually sounds familiar to me. Yeah. So he was like more of a musician than an actor. And funny thing is, this is um, featured on an episode of The Wonderful World of Disney. He was... Buster Poindexter huh. singing songs. But I have to say something, Jackie. Hmm. I hope my mom doesn't hear this. If you look at his IMDb picture, I swear to God, it like it looks like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta look at it. <laughs> I mean, not really, but like sometimes. <laughs> okay. Your yeah, poor mother. Whatever. 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 I love you, mom. Present is played by Carol Kane. Um, 
a princess bride, Adam's family values, taxi series. She is literally the voice of everything. I think she was also in the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It was a Netflix show. Oh, yeah. 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 She's in everything. Her, mm-hmm. her IMD page or her IMD page is massive, massive, massive. Um, but she has like that, just a really, uh, recognizable voice. Mm-hmm. So she's done a lot of Disney stuff, a lot of like, um, Nickelodeon shows, uh, Fox cartoons. She's the voice of. So future, uh, is a robot. It's nobody. He doesn't talk, doesn't talk in the book, doesn't talk in the movie. And I think it's just a prop. He just so, points. Um, he's just an honorable mention for this section of the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Claire is a new character who is like kind of in the story, but is not a named character. But that's uh, Frank Cross's love interest that is played by Karen Ellen, who is, you know, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Crystal Skull Garbage. <laughs> yeah, you wrote that in there. Um so I lost two hours. Face. I lost two hours of my life watching That's that movie like in the theater or something, right? Yeah, it was so dumb. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I haven't dumb. seen it. I just I couldn't because what's his face in it? Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I saw a trailer for the new one that's coming out. It actually looks pretty oh. decent. No, no, no. Uh, they played that trailer for uh, we went to the early premiere of Avatar, mm-hmm. The Way of the Water, whatever it is. Uh, they were playing that, and the whole time I was like, unnecessary, unnecessary. We don't need it. Yeah, we don't. We don't need it, and we, we don't, don't want it. We really don't. We don't want it. It doesn't look half Please bad. take it back. I would like my money back. Please take it back. Yes. Just for making you watch the trailer. Yeah, I was upset. Mm-hmm. I was like, we don't need this. Moving on. Because fucking Harrison Ford, like, love him to death. You're, you're the OG dude, but stop. Stop. Yeah. He's too fucking old to be doing this movie. And I know that sounds ageist or whatever, but he is. We don't need it. Okay, anyway. Getting off my soapbox. Bryce is, um, he's a new character too. He's sort of like the, uh, what do you call it? Um, like his nemesis or something? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, antagonist he's the antagonist in this where he kind of comes in and threatens frank cross's position um with the company and he is played by john glover who was lionel luther from smallville remember the tv show about i never watched it i I know of it but i never watched it yeah so if you're a big smart 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 smallville fan that's your man right there yeah John Glover. Then there's this other character, which this is not in. There's, I don't think there's anything like this in the story. No. Elliot Loudermilk, who is an employee of Frank Cross, who gets fired like within the first three minutes of the movie. He is played by Bob Cat Goldthwaite, whose real name actually is Robert Francis Goldthwaite. Hmm. And you know this voice. You know it. I'm not even going to try to do it because I can't do it justice. But, you know, Police Academy, 234. Um, also, for our Disney freaks, our fellow Disney freaks out there, in the animated feature film of Hercules, he was the voice of pain. Yeah. They're so sorry. <laughs> Annabelle's really hurt that I watched that without her. Oh, no. All right. So we got that out of the way. 
So we already started with like a little bit of the similarities. Like we have the parallels for the characters, but then we have some new characters that were added. Um, it, like mildly. They don't have big, big roles, except for, um, I guess Claire is a big role, but I'm going to argue this for her. There is this overarching uh, sort of theme of the him hating charities in the story, but mm -hmm. it's like to everyone that he comes in contact with. I think they just focus that into his interaction with her mm -hmm. to create this like uh, to why they broke up and all that stuff. Because in the story, when he does the when he goes with the ghost of past Christmas past, there is a section where basically he has a girlfriend or whatever that's breaking up with him. And she's saying like, um, it's basically like three sentences. And she says so much as, you know, you wouldn't even where you're at right now in your life. You wouldn't even want me because she's just like common and he's trying to make big money. Yeah. He's trying um, to climb the ladder. Yeah. So she's like, we just have different priorities. It's, it's me, not you, but really it's you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so that is, she doesn't have a name in the story. So the, this adaptation or retelling, whichever you want to call it, brings that character to life to sort of play on that characterization of Scrooge and Frank Cross, that they are anti-charity. And that's where they take that. The other two, I don't know. Um, Bryce and Elliot Loudermilk, those I those are purely for the sake of this movie. And there's also his boss that comes into play, which Scrooge doesn't have a boss. I think he, he runs his own yeah, business. Yeah, he is the boss. Yeah, but whatever. Okay, so the premise of the story and the movie are essentially the same. Rude, rich dude gets harassed by three, I say, well, technically four, ghost on Christmas Eve in the hopes that he'll learn a valuable lesson and be a better person. It, that is exactly the same. There's no deviation in the movie from the story, right? No. Then we have um, Lou Hayward is the first ghost, right? So in the story, what happens is it's Christmas Eve. They're, everyone's closing up for the day. Scrooge is doing his bah humbug bullshit. And then he walks home. And I, as I'm reading this, I realize like how sad it is. And they're talking about the state of the house that he lives in. He's by himself and like nobody even rents out these rooms. He's just like a curmudgeon, yeah. a miser. Which that's where it gets a little bit different because I don't think Frank Cross is that way. He's like in a his office with the penthouse view and all that stuff. But anyway, so Scrooge walks home. Then when he gets to the door, he feels like he he sees um, Jacob Marley as the door knocker. And he's like, what the fuck? And goes in. And that's where we sort of like spiral into this whole setup. Where in the movie, Bill Murray's at work. He's staying at work. He comes back to the office after like a charity thing that he doesn't care about. Because, you know, we, he hates charity. Um, and that's where uh, the guy starts like banging in the office door in. And that's where Lou Hayward, who is Bill Frank Cross's previous, like his predecessor, his mentor, he wanted to emulate this man who died seven years ago, where I believe Bill Murray, Frank Cross uh, takes over that position as CEO. Mm -hmm. Where Jacob Marley 
was Scrooge's friend and partner, business partner. They actually started off about how people would not even know the difference between Scrooge and or Marley. They would call them interchangeably and he would mm -hmm. answer to either. So we have like Scrooge's equal, his friend dead coming to visit him. And we have Frank Cross's boss, mentor, whatever, coming to visit him. This is where I think uh, the movie is kind of funny where they take this. Um, there are a lot of throwbacks to the story, but they just sort of bastardize them in a way to make them a bit more violent and a bit more crude. Because when Jacob Marley comes to finally visit Scrooge, he's like this ghost, this, this kind of decrepit ghost. He's got the chains and everything. But Lou in the movie is literally rotting. Mm hmm there's like a mouse that climbs out of his head. He's like in his um, golf gear or whatever. Yeah. He's still super crude. He still thinks super high of himself where he's trying to give uh, Frank Cross this like, hey, dude, look at me. This is going to it's not going to end up good for you. Like, I'm kind of fucked. Yeah. Where what he's trying to say is that he is in a state of limbo where he's not going to either place. That's the whole premise of the story is that you need to fix yourself or you're going to be chained to all of your bad deeds and trying to like make penance. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say there's four ghosts because you get the first one, Jacob and or Lou, then there's three more, but there's a throwback um, to a story that I really love in the movie. Cause obviously I watched the movie first. So when I'm reading, I was like, Oh, that's kind of like the movie. So there's the part in the movie where, Lou sort of grabs Frank and like thrusts him out the window. Yeah. And he, he almost falls. So in the story, how that actually goes is that the, as um, Jacob Marley is leaving Scrooge, he goes to the window to walk out it and go back to like the wandering spirits. Right. And he warns Scrooge like, Hey, don't come too close. Stay over there. Like he's more protective of him to stay away from the window. Don't come near. We're in the movie. He's like, fuck it. Just holding him <laughs> out the window. Collar and, yeah. and throws him out the window. <laughs> so I think that's why I say like they bastardize it and they flip it and they make it a bit more crude. So that was funny to me. So somebody actually paid attention to the book when they were writing that movie. I think so. But then I also question if they did because there's other things where I agree with some of the reviews from earlier. And we'll get mm -hmm. to that. Um, so then we have... Uh, Grace, who is Bob, we get the parallels of characters. Frank's character and Scrooge, they're the same thing. They abuse their assistant unnecessarily so. To the point where I'm like, why are they working for this person? Is it really that bad? Um, like, to find another job. Uh, and these two characters, what's similar is that they also have the child in question that's uh, Tiny Tim slash Calvin. But Calvin, what's different is he's not like physically disabled. I don't know what the right word to use is, but he doesn't have a crutch and he's not sickly and dying. He's just traumatized from his father's death. So he is mute. That's what it, that's, but that's the premise there. Um, and then also we talked about the underlying theme of him hating charities. I think they blew this up a bit more in the movie. And we were just talking about this to sort of create that love interest with um, Claire. Yeah. It's the 
conflict. So yeah, because you always need that, right? And you need a romance and all that bullshit. Where Charles Dickens like women in a story. <laughs> Why? She's not cooking. <laughs> what? She's not cooking and she's not fat, so I can say that she's fat or plump. Yeah. How many times he wrote plump in that goddamn book? Mm -hmm. A lot. Is a little listen here, trolls. Stop. <laughs> so then we also have um the ending of this now where they kept this the same i know that the way it's supposed to be viewed and this just might be me okay i just might be a cynical bastard just hear me out i know at the end how it's supposed to be viewed as like they're having this awakening and they're happy and they're in joy about life and they want to share that with everyone and everyone's supposed to be like joyous right Mm -hmm. I personally feel like they're both fucking lunatics <laughs> because the way Scrooge like just runs out of the house basically in his night clothes and he's like just accosting children running by grabbing them what day is it it's like it, it's Christmas sir ah. he's like I need you to go buy me a turkey yeah. <laughs> throwing like, money like, at oh, them man. and it's coins ah. <laughs> yeah yeah, just like throwing shit in, and then like, if you get it even quicker, I'll give you more money. And the kid's like, ah, just runs away. Then other people are coming and he's just like, ah, you need a cab. Let me hail down this random person. You need to drive them to said turkey. Now you're going to drop this turkey off at my, at my assistant's house, but don't tell him it's me. It's a secret. Like, that's <laughs> fucking crazy. It's all crazy. <laughs> and at the end of the, the movie, he's also doing the same thing. Mind you. <clears throat> So the premise of this movie is that he is a CEO of a huge television production company. And it is, they are ramping up to do this live, um, a Christmas Carol special live on television. And they've been practicing and practicing, practicing. Um, and that's like the backdrop of the movie. So then when Christmas night comes, they're supposed to be doing this live, which they, I, I, I think they do this all the time. They're doing like Beauty and the Beast. They get let live. What? Uh, ABC maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, they, they're doing like the Broadway versions of it live on TV. So they do like it's made for TV, but it's like a oh, like production. they did like Grease and all that other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is what they're doing in the movie. So why I say he's like a lunatic again is because they're in the middle of a live production, a national television, international broadcast it out. Yeah, international. Yeah. International, it's being broadcasted to everywhere, right? So many people have put so much work into this. Saying like, and it's Christmas and they're here doing it, right? He fucking busts out of nowhere. Crashes just the set. Crashes it and starts just like how Scrooge does in the book. Like, hey, you, uh, yeah. And I agree with the one review where it's just him like rambling for 10 minutes because it is. Yeah. Because he fucking is a lunatic in the movie at the end. And I think it's because these Frank Cross and Scrooge have just been like, just brutally victimized emotionally <laughs> by these ghosts. And now they're like, they, what is it? Stockholm just, syndrome? Having, yeah, they're having like a fucking psychotic break. Yeah. But people are like, oh my God, they're such better people now. I'm like, no, they're crazy. 
<laughs> and in the movie, he makes out with the random, like, Rockettes dancer or whatever they had on the set there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he literally sexually assaults a person on international yeah. live television. Right? Yep. And then he, like, grabs somebody else. And just, I'm like... <sighs> no, not to mention Bobcat with the shotgun. Oh, that's right. That's also right, because the Bobcat character, uh, um, Elliot Loudermilk, who he fires, that's another, like, side story here where he's like getting drunk his wife leaves him he's like living on the street and now he is like i'm just i'm gonna kill him i'm gonna kill frank you ruined my life but when he gets to frank frank's already like met with all of the ghosts so again frank is acting like a fucking lunatic because the other crazy guy in the room is like dude he's crazy <laughs> and then goes with it takes the shotgun that he brought to kill Frank's character, or Bill Murray's character, Frank. And then it's like, okay, I'm getting on this crazy train. Let's go. And then holds up the production suite of this with the cameraman and the crew at, <laughs> with a fucking shotgun. And we're like, oh my God, Christmas spirit. <laughs> but it was funny. It was funny. It's, it's funny. It's funny. And I get what we're supposed to, but can we just all take a step back and be like, no, these people are fucking lunatics and they're having a psychotic break. Yeah. Moving on. (laughs) The big thing at the end with, though, is um, Scrooge sort of takes his interest in Tiny Tim. And uh, at the end of the book, Tiny Tim does the God uh, God bless us and everyone, you know, That's the big thing at the end of the movie where Calvin, the little boy, Grace's son, who's been mute the entire time, comes over at the end and says, you know, pulls on Frank's pant leg and says, you know, God bless us and everyone. So he's like, oh, my God, he talked like that right there is the Christmas miracle Mm -hmm. where. So Calvin is the Christmas miracle, but I don't think. Tiny. Okay. Tell me if I'm if I'm off base here, because I don't think I've actually read this story before. Because there's so many adaptations of it, it's always just like on TV, or like I've watched the Muppet one. I feel like the concept of Tiny Tim has been really exaggerated, because Tiny Tim's just like a sickly yet happy child in the story, but that's really about it. And then I guess because they're poor, they can't really pay for treatment and he he does pass mm-hmm. in the ghost of the future so scrooge is sort of like heartbroken by this so he takes some interest um and i guess donates a lot of money to the care of tiny tim but that's about it though because now he, they have money to provide probably basic medical care for this child he doesn't die I think Tiny Tim has been way exaggerated in a lot of his adaptations to be like this Christmas miracle. It's not like he all all of a sudden like drops his crutch and is is walking like it's some sort of, you know, backwoods uh, revival. (laughs) Am I right? Well, or am I missing something? But I think in the book, uh, it wasn't so much that I think it was more about the impact that his death had on his family that that Scrooge witnessed. When he was with the ghost yeah, of yeah, yeah. future. But yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's now he finally gets what should be due him in the first place, which is proper <laughs> medical care. 
Right. And he he gets to not be another, you know, statistic of Victorian childhood. Yeah. Yet Calvin in the movie, like, that is a Christmas miracle. Yeah. Like, he's talking. Yeah. Maybe I'm just looking too much into this. But I was like, okay, that's cool. So I was, I think, okay, this is what I think. I think because of watching the movie first, my expectation for Tiny Tim in the story mm-hmm. was a lot higher than what I got. Because it's like kind of like, okay, cool. He's he's not dead. Yay. Yeah. And then he says, God bless us, everyone. Yeah. I'm like, thanks, Tim. Tim! <laughs> Maybe it was Dickens trying to trying to get us all to think that, hey, everybody should think like Tiny Tim and have a positive outlook and be cheerful, even though you're dying a little quicker than everybody else. Wow, that really is a Victorian mindset, isn't it? It's German, too. Life. Oh. Yeah, like, like English 19th century. Mm-hmm. Just life sucks. Be happy. Cheer up, bitch. <laughs> Let's talk about the ghosts and the interactions there. I don't know if we can call them similarities or differences. I think they're sort of somewhere in between because we have the four ghosts that come to Scrooge. We have his, you know, acquaintance, and then we have the three like spirits, past, future, present. Um, I think what they show the characters is a bit different. Um, And here's another thing. I think in the movie, when we look at Christmas past, when Frank goes back, I think that almost makes it understandable why he grew into the man he is. Mm-hmm. We're reading the story. I don't, I don't know where Scrooge's origin story is. Maybe that's what I didn't get from the story. Well, what I what I got from the story was that he was sent away to a boarding school, and then his sister comes to bring him home. And that father has changed and he's easier to get along with now, but clearly it wasn't. But, oh, so you're thinking like maybe the dad was still a brute? Probably. Yeah, but like that, now we're just kind of guessing. Yeah. I don't even think it's insinuated. But also him, because they say like he's almost a man now, like he's, he's older when he comes back from boarding school. Yeah. And I just don't think... As a as an English Victorian boy, being sent away to boarding school is really out of the norm. Mm-hmm. He's obviously comes from a family of some level of wealth, and they're distant because Victorians don't like their kids. We know this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so I, why is he an asshole, and then everyone else his age is not? Yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm missing from the story because. Frank goes back with Christmas past and, you know, we see he didn't really get anything for Christmas. His dad was a, a mean sort of drunk and butcher and his, his mom is smoking while she's pregnant. Don't do that. Uh, and then we get a sense from the pictures that he had a very close relationship with his younger brother, where we get that feeling from the story that Scrooge did have this relationship with his younger sister, that they were close. So that that's similar. But I think in the movie, we get a bit more from Christmas past as to why Frank Cross mm-hmm. is an asshole, like a work-driven, TV-addicted asshole, because essentially what he's showing us is that the TV raised him. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, another thing is we get more of the background of the love story between Frank and Claire, where we get a little bit, I'm, I'm almost certain if I were to go back and count, it's three sentences of, it's not you, it's me, but mostly you <laughs> between Scrooge and whoever this bitch was. Yeah. But also it doesn't really sound like Scrooge was bent out of shape of being dumped. It's kind of like, oh, all right. He's like, okay, this is happening. I'm going <laughs> to go away now. Bye. Okay, bye. And then we get the, um, of the Christmas party, which we also get in the movie. But the Christmas party shows like him, Frank, in the movie, not really participating in the party. He was still like, working. That's, he's like, I'm working. Yeah. Where Scrooge is fully invested in this party. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of good things to say about it. So again, I'm missing where Scrooge's past has created Scrooge of the present. Yeah. Charles, I'm going to need you to fix that. I need you to come back and fix it for me because I'm lost. <laughs> Just don't visit me, please. Yeah, just no, I don't want it. Because then I'm going to end up like a fucking lunatic at the end on yeah. Christmas. Be FaceTiming you, just blah, and you're like, what happened? So if I do that, you're going to know mm -hmm. that it's I'm not just drunk. I've been accosted by spirits. Help. So then we get to, uh, oh, one last thing about Christmas present, which I thought is another throwback to the book. So not present, past. When Scrooge goes with Christmas past, he walks through the walls with the spirit in the movie. Yeah. He can't. The spirit walks through the wall. So then Frank tries and just smacks his face yeah. on it. And he, the, the spirit comes out and is laughing in his face. Yeah. That to me is funny. Like little things like that. Good job. Good job, movie. Okay. Christmas present. In the book, we get this sort of um, big, brawny, burly, like young buff santa kind of character that's what i got from it yeah seems like that right in the movie we get um carol kane who is like a fairy this is where i draw the similarities but there are also differences so the spirit in the book is very harsh with scrooge he throws his own words back at him he is very blunt with the statements He's very forward, which in Victorian time, like it's like oh, pearls, clutch, <laughs> activated. But in the movie, they took it to a different level and they made her like really sweet as she's talking, but physically violent with him. To me, that's funny. Yeah, it was hilarious. She is a treasure. She might have been the, I don't actually, I don't know. It's, mm, they're both good in the movie. Mm -hmm. I I think I might have liked Pass a little bit more just because I'm going to say something that's really off the wall. He reminded me of Pennywise. Oh, God. Just the way like he'd throw up, he, he would show up in some of the scenes in the background. He reminded me of Pennywise. That's why I like him. <laughs> um, but we sort of have the similar like, um, hey, here's Grace and her family. Just like present brings him to see Bob and his family. Um, he visits his nephew in the book they're playing games also there's a lot of weird stuff happening at his nephews with their friends oh yeah like that, that little tag game they're playing Very yeah creepy yeah there's there's the one guy uh who's friends with his nephew who is 
really interested in one of the, the females there and pretty sure he was making her feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. And then also Charles on top of it just kept calling her the plump one. Yeah. Jesus. Not only is she getting like her names thrown at her, but she's literally being sexually harassed. Yeah. They think it, there's so many parts to her. She's like, no, no. Yeah. And then anyway, uh, but there's also the scene where he, uh, Frank visits his brother. They're playing the games, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So those are similar. How yeah, they they're play out. talking trash about him in each one. Yeah, in the story in the movie. Yeah, but the nephew doesn't want to talk trash about his yeah. uncle, and the brother doesn't want to talk shit about his brother. This is the brother. This is again where the movie makes a little bit more sense to me in this story because it's clear they've set it up that Frank and his younger brother are obviously were very very close when they were younger, mm-hmm. and then when they got older, obviously. Frank uh, moving up in this company, they kind of fell apart. Um, but his younger brother still loves him. That to me makes sense. The nephew, though, it seems like Scrooge never gave a damn about the nephew mm-hmm. ever. So why does the nephew go so hard to defend him and go so hard to interact with him? And I know he says like, oh, well, I pity him. You can pity him from afar. Yeah. You don't have to make such an effort. Yeah. And subject yourself to his his just vitriol. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I missed something in the story, but I actually wrote myself a note when I was reading. I was like, why is he trying so hard? Mm-hmm. Why? And then Scrooge at the end, like a fucking lunatic, just shows up in the middle of the day. Hi, guys. You're like, <laughs> oh. Like, weird. Yeah. Weird. Yes, I know you invited him, but it's one of those invites because you know they're going to say no. Mm-hmm. Right? You're like, oh, my God, totally. You're like, you should totally come over. Yeah. But, oh, oh, you can't. Oh, that's unfortunate. Like, you're not planning for that person yeah. to show up. But Ghosts of Future, I think, are very much characterized the same. They are like the Grim Reaper-esque mm-hmm. type thing. Um but the future that Frank sees and what Scrooge sees are, are not the same. No, and that was the thing. Like, the, the ghost of Christmas present had the two little kids underneath his robes. Mm. But the ghost yeah, of future weird. had these weird troll gremlin. I don't know. They, like, trap spirits or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't or know. Yeah. It was It was odd. Yeah, but that I guess it is sort of like a throwback, but they did it with future not present. Yeah. And then I guess um what did he say present say they were? They were like misery and anguish or anguish and was something. It? Yeah. I, it it didn't make any fucking sense to me. It was just a lot of like Dickonese is reading at that point. I'm like, oh okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand. Somebody out there that's like a, a literary Snob is probably like, you dumb bitches. Well, I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> Don't judge us. Get off my back. Yeah, fuck off. But so future, no name, no face, Grim Reaper. We get to see Calvin, like, institutionalized, which I feel like that's really far-fetched. I don't know if you're going to be institutionalized because you don't speak. I mean, there's lots of people that are mute that are not thrown into asylums because he seemed like he was interacting 
fine. He just is a shy kid and doesn't want to talk. Well, speaking as a child of the 80s, uh, I started kindergarten this uh, September after I came back from spending time with my grandparents in Germany. Yeah. And I was speaking fluent German. So when I started kindergarten, I would try to talk to people in German and they wouldn't talk back. They wouldn't speak to me. And Jackie's there like just a snob. She's like, what's his fun? No. <laughs> so, so I just stopped talking to everybody in general. So they made me repeat kindergarten. They would not institute. They yeah. No, they, they didn't. <laughs> I don't think my parents even sent me to a psychiatrist. No, they're like, she'll get over it. Yeah. She'll figure it out. Yeah. Bug it. <laughs> but so we get that parallel between the movie and the story because when uh, Scrooge is with Future, he sees that um, Tiny Tim has passed. And his the way the families react, Jackie's absolutely right. Scrooge is sort of traumatized by that. Um, but then we have, this is where I think it's really different because they have the funeral or, or I don't even know what you call it where it's it's sort of opulent but it's small and frank cross's character uh he finds out it's him he's going to be cremated and it's just his brother there with his wife but it's still lavish mm -hmm. in the story scrooge like dies in his bed and then people are basically looting his house yeah all the people are comparing all the shit what'd you get what'd you get what'd you get yeah and i'm like wow that's that's bad. Maybe because it doesn't make sense in an 80s era. Like, yeah. People wouldn't do that. To, to steal um, the curtains off of somebody's bed while their dead body was lying there. <laughs> yeah. But I guess it's showing, like, where the similarity is, is, like, you're going to basically die alone. Mm -hmm. And it's just his brother and his wife, or the brother's wife that's there, I guess, out of obligation. Even mm -hmm. though I assume the brother is upset yeah um but i don't remember from the story if his nephew had any thing to say about his death every kind of other thing. adaptation i've ever seen it's always scrooge ending up in some kind of pauper's grave and nobody's there mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's like, okay you're gonna die alone and sad like that's supposed to really bring it home yeah it sure whatever whatever where okay i think the biggest difference between for me other than like the different characters that they add in and like beefing up some of the side stories like that's fine i think with an adaptation you expect some things like that just to make it flow a little better but where i think that maybe they didn't read the story too closely is because frank throughout the story or throughout the movie when he's meeting with these ghosts is he's obviously he's clearly affected by it but he's really not changing no he doesn't come back from the one of the experience and and is changing scrooge though is like you can point out each section where he is changing and becoming more self-aware of the way that he is where I don't think Frank ever really has that moment. His is more based around the relationship he had with Claire mm -hmm. and understanding why it didn't work and that 
he realized that he wants it back. Because what he, what really sets him off was when Future shows her sitting at the table and she's talking shit about the little uh, homeless kid that comes yeah. up. And then he's like, oh, crap. She's like that because of what I said to her. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, I made her bad. Yeah. Which is, I thought that was a bit extreme, but it's a comedy, so I let it go. Mm -hmm. I don't think somebody that devotes their life to charity is just going to flip a switch and be like, no, fuck those bums. Like, I just, I don't think that happens. No. Uh, you have some really weak convictions if that's all it oh, takes. Oh, yeah. Like, like, you weren't doing it in the right, like, your heart was in the right place to begin with. Yeah. Um, but that one review where it said it didn't really feel like he had any redemption and just the, the script demanded it. I agree with that. Because yeah. Andy's like, all right, I, I, I need to stop being kind of a dick. and But I'm still, I'm going to do that by being a dick and destroying this production that all these people have worked really hard on. So you know what this movie was really lacking? What? A really good montage. Oh. Yeah, That's where it always happens. Montages. That's where it always happens, though. Yeah. And especially for an 80s movie. I know. Come on. It's like montage is mandatory. Yeah. Yeah, there were no mont. Hashbag, bring back the montage. <laughs> Damn it. Also, what's really different is Frank, well, Frank, while he's experiencing these interactions with the ghost, he's out and about doing things like mm -hmm. he's at his office then he's at a, a dinner well, the first one was at like, noon he said the first one will come at noon tomorrow yeah so it's happening throughout the day yeah of a normal day where with a christmas carol it's scrooge is in bed so you kind of have this feeling like is it really happening is he dreaming um where is this coming from right and then Obviously, the ghosts are playing some sort of time trick because when he wakes up, it's it's not been, you know, a full day like it feels, you know, the, how the clock is ticking by where he wakes up and it's it's just Christmas morning. Um, but in the movie, he's like having he's going through a door and then he's with a ghost and then he's like falls into reality again and ends up like on set or something. Right. Um, so, again, he's still looking more crazy to everyone around him. Yeah. Because he's just like climbing out of a box or a dumpster or something. He's like, why are you here? Yeah. He's like, ah. The funniest part, though, I think, is when he's at dinner with um, either dinner or lunch, whatever it is, with uh, his boss and Bryce. Mm -hmm. And he thinks that the waiter, like he's <laughs> he's hallucinating and thinking that the waiter is a spirit or on fire or something. He goes over and like throws water on him. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mind you, he's the only one that's seeing this, so he really does look like a lunatic. Honestly, throughout the whole movie, it's set up in a way where they could have easily institutionalized him. Yeah, he probably should have been. Right there. But the amount of felonies between him and Bobcat yeah. <laughs> that they committed, like... They could be cellmates, yeah. Oh. But no, Christmas miracle. Another, another big difference? There's no Kama Sutra in the book. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> such a weird thing it's really off-putting it is really off-putting that kind of i was like wait what oh yeah <sighs> who um, who writes this and goes you know what this needs well it was the Obviously, 80s yeah. 80s movies had so much like gratuitous bullshit yeah that's shock and awe yeah <laughs> 
Claire, if, if you haven't seen the movie, um, one of the flashbacks of Claire and Frank's Christmas together, she gives him a copy of a Kama Sutra. And he then proceeds to go through and be like, done it, done it, done that. <laughs> yeah. Like any arrogant male would. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, I mean, that. I think that's it. Did I miss anything big? No, I mean, it was a short book, so. And a relatively yeah, short movie, because we're getting used to like three hour long bullshit now. Whew. Or like series. Yeah. Where they're 12. Who <laughs> was it? Handmaid's Tale? I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, there's more. Like, no! <laughs> you got to episode eight and you're like, wait, there's more. I was like, yeah, there's two more episodes. Yeah, I was like, wait, this should be the last. Yeah, I was like, this should be the last episode. Why does it not feel like this is not how the book ends? And you're like, no, bitch, there's like six more episodes. I'm like, ah! <laughs> okay. Jackie, you read first. Why don't you give us your review? Okay. <clears throat> book. I'm going to give it a three out of five. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I'm glad I read it, but I probably will never pick it up again. Uh, it was a quick read, but I think that Scrooge... Okay, you, you were saying that Frank never really got his redemption or, or he never realized it. Um, I think Scrooge came just a, around just a little too quick in the book. Yeah, I agree. Because after I the agree. first spirit, like, not even done with the first spirit. And he's like, oh, I'll change. I'll change. You know, I'm, I I miss those days. Yeah. <laughs> and then a uh, movie, 8 out of 10. Can't go back. Can't go wrong with uh, Bill Murray. Sorry. You can't. No, you really can't. Yeah. You can say what you want about him, but yeah. he's, you know, he's a classic. Yeah. He's a, he's a treasure. Yes. All right. I... I'm not going to rate this book because it is a literary classic written by a literary god, right? Um, I think you have to appreciate the story because it it definitely transcends time and culture um, and language. So, like, I get it. I just think that the way it's written, because, you know, it's written in the middle of the 1800s. It's just, we don't talk like that anymore. And Charles Dickens, and this is the, this is kind of typical for the way that they wrote. I feel like as someone who does have severe ADD, uh, when I read it, I feel like he also had very bad <laughs> ADD, ADHD, because he'd be writing something and then he's just fucking off on a tangent. Yeah. Talking about something else. Yeah. And he's like, well, and then I'm back. Yeah. So it it was hard for me and I kind of space out when I read where I'm still reading it, but then I'll get like three paragraphs out and be like, wait, what where am I? But with this book, I didn't go back and reread. I was like, it'll come back. It'll come back to me. Like <laughs> it'll figure itself out. Yeah. Uh, but it, we we've read a couple a lot of well, we've read several classics on this show. Um Jane Austen, uh Little Women, we, we've done that. And I just feel like it's hard to really rate, especially in Goodreads, because when I'm looking at it, I, I'm not going to compare this to like Akatar or Crescent City or some of the modern stuff where I'm reading it for enjoyment. It It's hard for me. 
it's hard. Yeah. I think I'm just not going to, these classics moving forward, I'm probably just not going to rate them because the language just doesn't transcend with it. We're reading it. It's It feels like homework. Well, because a lot of the reviews that we end up reading of those books, they are judging them based on modern mindset and yeah. viewpoints. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. It, it's odd, too, because I think about authors like Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy reading Jane Austen, even though she's still writing in a very um, dated way. But it's a bit more natural mm-hmm. and you can follow it. That's just my opinion. When I read something like this or um, Louisa May Alcott, I'm just like, oh, my fucking God. Yeah. Like you feel like you are in that time. You're like, I can't. No, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Please. I need a, somebody translate this for me. Um, so I'm not going to rate it. But I would think personally, I agree with Jackie where it's like, I didn't hate it. You can't say that you don't love it, though, because it's a Christmas classic and it's just like embedded into our brains, I think, especially as Westerners. So it's there. It's going to always forever exist. So it's like mid road. I probably will never read this again, ever. No. The movie though, I'm going eight out of 10 because it's now my new favorite Christmas movie. Um, it's only losing points because it is clearly an eighties movie <laughs> and there's just some beef between me and eighties movies that will always be there. <laughs> so we've read we watched so you don't have to waste any of your time dnfing i say watch the movie i agree i'm with you i think you get it and i think you get more from the movie actually uh added onto the story you get that sort of origin story like why is he such a curmudgeon and then you get the christmas miracle with calvin mm-hmm. you get that as for redemption, sure. He's clearly fixed some of his mindset, right? Like he thinks a little bit differently about charities. He wants to fix his relationship with Claire. He obviously appreciates his assistant. It There's redemption there. It's just, I'm, they're all on the fucking crazy train at the end. Yeah. But you get that from the movie or the story. So I, I don't see that. Which I don't station. see that uh, TV TV company existed much longer after that. <clears throat> There's no way. There's no way. <laughs> All right. That is our, our Christmas episode. Yay. It. And we are back at it. Jackie and I are back from our hiatus, you know, doing things. I uh, I got married. Yay. Jackie moved to Florida, kind of, in a way. Yeah. She'll be back here next week. <laughs> I, I still have stuff at Mel's house. <laughs> yeah. She's going to be back and forth. Yeah. It's not final yet, but she's kind of there, you know, and um, we're getting ready for 2023. We're getting ready for the new year. We're going to keep doing these adaptations and uh, we're going to do our new show. So we will be back in the beginning, the first week of January with the next episode, which will be uh, where the crawdads sing, right? Mm-hmm. Because January, we are focusing on, a, we're doing like a 2022 recap of book to screen adaptations. So movies that came out that were based on books. Um, or a short story. In. Or a short story. Yeah. Yep. And they were uh, uh, adapted in 2022. So we have four of those coming up in January. And then we also will have four episodes of the new show where we're going to talk about some of 
Jackie and Misa more interesting reads. <laughs> That's a lovely way to put it. Uh, okay, so let's flip said coin. If I can find it. God damn it. I guess I'll call it. Ah, where's my coins? Okay, I'm gonna use my uh, I'm gonna use my my car thing. I need to I need <laughs> to bring our uh, biscuits and cornbread coin up. Oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna use my coin emblem and I, it, the BMW's uh, heads and the uh, dealer is tails. Okay. Um, I will call heads for reading. It is tails. Okay. So Jackie will be reading and I will be watching. We need to start keeping track of this. <laughs> Jackie gets fucked like every week. <laughs> but you know, whatever. Don't forget to like, follow, share, love us. Um, and then until, until uh, next year, we're going to be those corny ones. <laughs> See you next year. Until then. Bye. Bye.